1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. Justin, busy day in Nets world. Obviously, we had the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade, but the Nets also played a game, and they lost to the Wizards, 112-113, 10 straight losses for the Brooklyn Nets. Justin, how are you doing after a long day?
2: Oh, it's, 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 it's been a very long day. Didn't think I'd see 10 losses in a while. Uh, let's go. <sighs> It is what it is. Let's just, let's just get into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It is what it is. Obviously there are some reasons for the loss and the nets are still very shorthanded and they did trade some guys and uh, cut a player today. So we'll jump into that too later in the show. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Justin, I guess right off rip, what sticks out about this loss? You know, 112, 113 to the wizards.
2: We wasted 27 points from cam Thomas. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this was probably the best. I mean, this is the best game. I think I didn't even think this is better than his 30 point performance uh, against Utah, because a lot of that was just garbage time points. Yep. Um, This game was Cam Thomas actually filling a, a significant role for the Brooklyn Nets, not only on offense. You saw his activity on defense. I kind of want to talk about some things I've seen from Cam a little bit later, but. Yeah, this is this is one of those losses that sting. I thought just based off all the news that came out today, the Nets would be re-energized. They'd be more focused. Uh, You know, just go out there. You know, the the old phrase, win one for the Gipper. Like, I thought that's what we were going to get tonight. Unfortunately, they fell just short.
1: Yeah. I mean, you felt like the vibes were going to be up and the team was just going to have irrational energy, but they didn't. I think this team looks gassed right now, obviously being shorthanded for a few weeks now and guys kind of coming back from injury and a guy like Kyrie Irving, who's now put in the lead guard role, the lead star role. And he's been out most of the season. No, KD, obviously no James Harden. So. It's it's tough and it's a struggle to watch. You know, you thought maybe after they won the first quarter, there were some good vibes and the second quarter wasn't too bad, but they really blew it in that third and almost made a run in the fourth. There were still opportunities for them to win this game late in that fourth quarter, just not able to execute when it came to defense and honestly fouling, you know, defensively felt like Washington was able to get a lot of shots that they wanted and they're missing a lot of players. They sent some trades through today and obviously Bradley Beal out for the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you figure they're missed. They they traded away Montrezl Harrell, who was who is somebody before he got traded. Uh, I was looking at it as somebody that was going to be a key part in this game, and sent out Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was basically just you know reserve and G League guys versus reserve and G League and rookies, you know, out there. Um, ah, man, it's it's just such a frustrating loss because it's definitely it definitely was a winnable one for the Nets. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving had had a decent game, I guess, too, but also struggled from the field. You know, it's just another game where I, I, I hate to say it. I don't want to put the, the, the blame on the refs, but there's no reason why Kyrie Irving. I mean, it's surprising he got 11 free throw attempts because going into the fourth quarter, he had zero. Yep. That, that was
1: really surprising because you also saw Kyrie constantly having communication with the refs throughout the game. And it's like they finally listened to him by the time the fourth quarter came, but it was almost too late. And obviously, you know, Washington was pretty aggressive with him in terms of physicality and also sending double teams. So it felt like, you know, that could be a reason for frustration, not only, you know, not getting the foul calls, but also all the attention. And he had that third quarter stretch where he really, I don't want to say disappeared, but it wasn't very impactful. And that was the stretch in which the Wizards were able to kind of capitalize on this game.
2: Yeah, I think that I thought the Wizards did a great job, um, especially in the second half of getting the ball out of Kyrie Sands. I had turned to the TNT broadcast uh, during halftime, and that's something that Kenny, the jet Smith had pointed out. He was like, yo, Kyrie Irving's the only one that can actually score 30 points on this team. Why aren't you doubling him every single time because he had a pretty great first half. He had 17 points. That second quarter he had 11 of them. He was getting yep. into his rhythm and you're like, "All right, you know, Kyrie's just going to carry the team offensively." But second half, no, they did a great job of blitzing whether it was Neto, you know, switching out with uh, KCP. Um, even throwing a big out there, Kuzma, just getting the ball out of Kyrie's hands, you know, and most of the time it was either finding, you know, either Camp Thomas's hands or Patty Mills's hands. And you're just forcing guys that usually don't have the ball in their hands to create plays for the offense. So, you know, kudos to the to the to the Wizards for, uh, you know, executing their game plan.
1: Yeah, the Nets were able to capitalize in some situations. Like you mentioned, Cam Thomas had a really good game. He enjoyed attacking some of those closeouts and kind of the advantage created by Kyrie Irving allowed him to get to his spots. And even Blake Griffin, you know, different points in this game was take advantage on the short roll. But it just always seems like Blake just doesn't have enough gas anymore where he's, you know, playing these 27 minutes, being so heavily involved by the time, you know, it's late third or fourth quarter. He just doesn't have that same juice offensively. So, you know, like you said, credit the Wizards for taking advantage of a Nets team that's really to. Completed and missing a lot of offensive options and force the ball into the players' hands that they want to see have it. You know, guys that aren't necessarily super skilled offensively or experienced in that role. And it did help that Patty Mills just seemed off tonight. Like right off rip, he just didn't seem to have the same level of juice that he typically has.
2: Yeah, I mean, only eight shot attempts in 35 minutes, seven points, five assists. I mean, you know, he kind of played like a, a regular degler role player. And it's kind of it's kind of odd seeing Patty only shoot four threes. Uh, I know he had one late in the fourth or like kind of midway through the fourth from the corner that would have cut the lead, I think to four yep. that kind of rimmed in and out, but yeah, it just, he felt he- not to say hesitant, but I guess the looks, the looks just weren't there because they were always sending that double team at Kyrie. It really didn't allow Patty to just come off of screens as, as easily because obviously the next rotation over would be, you know, the, the, the next man coming over to get to Patty. So Yeah, very pedestrian effort from from Patty. But still, it's like this isn't the role he's supposed to be playing. So it's hard to really criticize a guy that's playing, you know, outside of his role. Yeah, I
1: mean thirty-five minutes is a lot for him. And and I thought for me, it looked like he was just a little bit out of juice to start the game. I think one of his first threes was very short. And I feel like that kind of turned him to be maybe more hesitant and just lacked that same level of aggression. Cause even, you know, when teams give him attention, we've seen Patty chuck up some shots that you you might call bad shots, you know, heavily contested threes, but he knocks them down, so you don't mind as much. And it's just like he didn't have that same level of aggression or confidence in the shooting. And I think some of that's just like fatigue catching up. I think he's a guy that'll really benefit from the All-Star break and getting that extra amount of time off. Obviously, right around the corner, and the Nets need it badly.
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a rhythm-type guy. You know, he's much better when he sees those first maybe one or two shots go in as opposed to, all right, he breaks the first, you know, three or four. and now, yep. now it's almost like he's trying to play catch-up with himself uh, in a sense. And then you kind of get into that habit, especially when you're a non-star of, all right, maybe I don't want to take—I've already missed four shots. Maybe I shouldn't take this shot because I feel like I'm just kind of taken away from the offense,
1: yeah, especially when Kyrie's out there and cams cooking. you don't want to necessarily be that deterrent. But, at the end of the day, you know, you're the at the very least the third scoring option, even on your worst night because of the rest of the players that are available. So you kind of need him to turn it up a little bit. But um, in Patty's stat line, officially seven points, three of eight from the field, one of four from three, four rebounds, did have five assists, though, uh, zero steals, zero blocks and one turnover. So he still found other ways to impact the game. I also think it's tough for him is when they're playing these three-guard lineups. You know, it's tough for Patty, it's tough for Kyrie and Cam because they're all getting matched up at some point with a bigger uh, offensive player. You know, and that's putting pressure on them. They're exerting energy on that end of the floor. And it, it I think it just kind of creates a level of frustration at times.
2: Yeah, and also, you know, uh, a sense of confusion on defense. There yep. was multiple times this game where you could kind of see them pointing fingers at, like, Oh, no, you switch over here. No, you pre-switch here. And um, and I'm watching it happen all in the paint. I'm like, oh my God, these guys don't know where they're what they're doing. And then oh, lo and behold, you know, what is it? Anthony Gill is open for a, a wide open layup. Yep. Or there's Roy Hachimura with the with a you know non-contested 15-footer. So, you know, no, like you said, you know, the the size matchups also where it's like, all right, there's no true three guy go- three guy, right? Because Kyrie's a guard, Patty's yep. a guard, Cam Thomas is a guard. Like he might yep. physically build. You might think he could get away with the three, but no, he's he should be guarding guards. So then when you put him up against tougher matchups and then when you're you're switching and things like that and you got guards on centers, yeah, it just it just gets wonky.
1: Yeah, I thought the rotations tonight were not crispy. I thought, you know, obviously playing undersized, you need to kind of help more, and I felt like, you know, guys were helping, but no one was helping the helper. You know, sometimes that was Kyrie Irving, sometimes that was just the rookies not really knowing where to be. You need a higher level of energy and effort when you're physically outmatched, and that just wasn't the case for the Nets. So, it's tough. <laughs> it was tough defensively. That's just, the, and it's like you can only be so mad because, like, they didn't really have a in a Defensive center to play tonight. It would have been great to have Clacks. I felt like this is a game that Clacks could have really excelled just to be a force out there and use his length to attack the boards because it's not like the Wizards played anybody like super tall and long. It was just more so they're playing a lot of big forwards or, you know, even Thomas Ryan's an undersized center and they just had enough length and where the Nets' biggest player they were playing really was Deron Sharp and he's an inexperienced rookie. And then you were relying on Blake Griffin, who's just
2: not that big. Yeah, it would have been a great night for Paul Millsap. I tell you what, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, no. To your point, definitely. Dayron's a rookie, he, and you saw him be a rookie out there. Yep. Blake, undersized, and just he just he just doesn't have those legs anymore. Kessler, yeah, I mean, like 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 we've been saying, like the past few games, like he's hit his rookie wall both offensively and defensively. Um, you know, he had a, he did have a nice block, you know, which led to a transition bucket for the Nets. But other than that, I mean, he was a, a ghost. I mean, still. 21 minutes played again, starts but plays the least amount of minutes of all the starters. I mean, it's it's it, it was going to be a tough matchup for the Nets, um, either way, but it's definitely tougher when you know the rookies are showing themselves as rookies,
1: yeah. And the Nets were forced to play what four rookies tonight. You got Cam Thomas, Kessler Edward, Dayron Sharp, and David Duke Jr something that I don't think anybody anticipated unless it was a blowout win for the Nets, you know, entering the season. So having to rely on these guys and really need them to play real minutes because we're talking about Cam playing 37, we're talking about Kessler playing 21, Dayron playing 18, David Duke playing 11. You know, there's... (laughs) that's a good chunk of minutes to go to rookies. And you could definitely see that on the floor and lacking some of that experience. And, you know, we touched on Blake, you know, 15 points, five and nine from the field. Oh, one from three, five of six in the free throw line, nine rebounds, three assists, one steal, two turnovers. You know, Blake had a great effort out there. He didn't really do anything bad. I think he played within himself and he had an impact on that. Those short role plays.
2: No, no, definitely on on offense. I don't think you could have asked any more of Blake. I mean, you know, maybe maybe a three pointer here and there, but uh, but I mean, that's just kind of getting greedy. <laughs> but no, for what he did in the short role, especially in that first quarter, um, I thought the offense looked look, look very very good. He had six points in that. Him and Kyrie had some really good chemistry, especially on that pick and roll. So you know, it was a good Blake r- game. He not nine rebounds, three assists. He kept the ball moving, um. Like we said, his struggles on defense are just more so poor matchups and just out of necessity. But, you know, when this team is fully healthy and, you know, Kevin Durant is back and Joe Harris is back and then you incorporate, you know, Drummond and and Seth and and Ben Simmons, obviously, Blake's not going to be playing 27 minutes tonight. You know, but and I think the perfect role for Blake is also kind of in that perfect role with James Johnson, who also played 27 minutes tonight Mm -hmm. around 15 to 17 a game. You know, just to give you enough of them, but not too much where they're like, all right, my God, take him off the court.
1: Yeah. And I think also getting these guys games off, too, is going to be important. I think going into the season, you thought some of these veterans, you know, wouldn't necessarily play in every game or there'd be nights where you can, you know, rest Blake Griffin because you have so many other bigs in the rotation. Obviously, that hasn't really worked out. And I think like watching this game. It stuck out how much the Nets could really use somebody like Ben Simmons, you know, just because of the defense. And then also just the ability to take advantage of shots at the rim. It felt like not only Daron Sharp, but there's just numerous opportunities other than pretty much Kyrie Irving where guys who are missing layups or just paint shots. And it's just something that you can't do. You know, one that stuck out to me is David Duke Jr. had a transition bucket and it was just I, it was just a weird attempt to take. It's like either go out for the dunk or just try to use the glass in that situation. And I think getting a transition player like Ben should help in that area. And obviously, you know, Seth and Andre are capable of making layups, too, I hope.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I Duke had like two blunders. I know I know the layup you're talking about, the one that happened in the second, uh, the second half, where I thought, all right, I thought, honestly, he was just going to come down and crank it.
1: Yeah, he was um, high. He felt like it was high enough.
2: Yeah, he, he it definitely did. And then the first one I remember happened in the first half. Um, they kind of botched a. I think it was a three on one, where he didn't know if he should pass it or not, and they ended up passing it late and led to a a a missed shot. And I'm like, oh my god, this is. I don't know how many more days we're gonna have to endure this, but <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's it's tough, but we got to get through it, right? Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's. When you got to rely on four rookies, it's definitely hard. David Duke Jr. obviously is not going to be a part of this, you know, rotation. You know, going forward, he's just here on a necessity basis. But oh boy,
1: yeah, I mean, David Duke, it was a not a super productive night in the box score. You know, eleven, 11 minutes, oh two from the field, and zero in every other stat. So, uh, I mean, not to say that he's the type of player that needs to score 20 to be impactful or 10 or anything like that, but typically, you know, he has some type of impact on the boards. You know, The Nets had 12 offensive boards in this game, but the Wizards also had 10 themselves, so it kind of balanced out in that area as well. So moving over, I guess, to James Johnson, we saw, like you said, we saw him for about 27, 28 minutes, uh, 13 points, 4 of 8 from the field, oh 2 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, uh, 3 assists, and 1 steal. James Johnson has a couple plays where you're like, damn, that, that was nice. But then there's a couple plays where you're like, damn, what are you doing?
2: Yes. Oh, <laughs> every <laughs> single game. I thought, and it's crazy because I actually thought James Johnson had one of his better performances of yep. the season. Uh, tonight he mostly stayed within himself, uh, gave the Nets, you know, some good burst. I think he had eight points in that first half, you know, just kind of help, especially in that second quarter with that unit that didn't have Kyrie or, uh, Patty out there, you know, just being a, a comforting force on the offensive end. Um, you know, he had that really nice, uh, fake uh, dribble handoff leading into a baseline dunk, which was he nice. has,
1: like one of the best fake dribble handoffs in the NBA. He's he probably gotten like five to 10 <laughs>
2: wide open layups in like just the last two months alone. And then you have in the second half when he goes behind the back. I think yeah. it was on Neto. Yeah, it was either on Neto or Avia, and he just goes down and 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 hammers it home. I'm like, all right, this, this this is great. But then there's also a few moments in the game where it's like, well, why did you commit that foul? That was stupid. Yeah. Um, I did think that he got kind of hosed on the Raúl Neto foul late in the fourth, where it looked like Neto like kind of threw his elbow yep. and it hit James Johnson. You kind of see uh, James giving Neto the death stare. <laughs> i'm, I'm pretty sure he time. told him
1: he was gonna f him up like that's what
2: it sounded like. like to me
1: like you reading lips it just sounded like and james johnson's a guy that you definitely do not want to mess with so yeah like you said that felt like he got the short end of the stick and it's tough like they they want james johnson to play as like a big and provide like some athleticism and some length and like there's a point where they played him at the five and just didn't work. He just doesn't have that. Especially, it's different when you have James Johnson at the five and you have KD at the four. You are having other 4s on the floor, but when you're trying to play James Johnson at the five and then play him with like four other guards,
2: it's gonna be tough. Oh, you know, it was it was rough out there. I'm just looking. I'm like, oh wow. It almost got to the point where it's like, all right, well, how are they gonna get their wide open layup this time? All right, yeah. like who are they gonna go off? Because and I and I thought they also did a great job of getting. When Johnson was the five man, getting him off of their big, which would allow you know like and put like a smaller guard like a Javon Carter or Bruce Brown on their big, which would you know leads to easier layups.
1: Yeah, the Wizards did a great job, I think, in this game. Not even just their bigs, but even like their fours, like Kyle Kuzma, uh, Denny, just posting up, you know, Javon Carter, Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, and trying to make some type of mismatch. And that's kind of the punishment you receive when you play all these small ball lineups. And not to say it's Nash's fault because. He literally played everyone he could play tonight. There just isn't a ton of options, honestly. I, you know, this is in hindsight, but cutting DeAndre Bembry hurts for this game specifically because he's just like another more lankier, at least guard slash forward that you can play, rather than playing, you know, you know what, three or four guys that are under six three.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I would have rather Bembry out there tonight than Bruce Brown. You know, and I, I don't like to slander Bruce Brown, but I mean, he really was a no show out there tonight. Wasn't as good on the defensive end, I thought was kind of over, you know, overplaying some things, you know, only had two points on that, you know, he had a layup, but only two rebounds, two assists. I think he had a block in there as well, but like really, he really didn't do anything in his 14 minutes out there. And I thought that was another, you know, it was definitely to your, to your point, uh, a spot where Ben at least size. And I thought think his athleticism, you know, would have helped the Nets more.
1: Yeah, and at least driving to the rim and trying to create some offense. And I think, you know, we'll get into that topic later in terms of cutting DeAndre Bembry, you know, over Bruce Brown. Obviously, there's some financial stuff with that. But I guess getting over to Kyrie Irving, 31 points, uh nine of twenty-two from the field, three of eight from three, ten of eleven from the free throw line, five rebounds, six assists, one block, three turnovers. Uh, like and you know, we touched 20, on them a little, you know, big in that first half, drop, turned it up in the, the fourth, just alone. really wasn't there for the third. So
2: definitely check out the buzz on all stream. Yeah. Platforms. And you look at the you look at the shot chart, listening. nine of twenty-two. And, and it's Golden not Ritz. to me, at least, if you watch the game, it wasn't as bad as it looks because there was at least four or five times where Kyrie went right into the paint, should have gotten a foul didn't mm-hmm. so obviously it's going to come off as a as a missed shot um he also I think had the one the almost in one that toilet rolled yeah. out which was that, that would have been a huge uh turning point would have
1: probably tied the game late
2: yeah so you know I I thought for what Kyrie had at his disposal you know his second best player out there was a rookie um it, it you couldn't have asked for anything more um, You know, like 31.6 assists, you know, they did a great job of, of getting the ball out of Kyrie's hands, um, which was so credit to them for making that halftime adjustment. But, you know, I, I thought Kyrie had to play the whole fourth quarter to for them to win, which he did. And they almost did just man two missed free throws down the stretch, one by Kyrie and one by James Johnson could have, you know, looks like it was the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, or just a defensive stop or one less turnover. And I think, you know, and this isn't really a shot on Kyrie Irving. It's just this is the difference between Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You know, if you have Kevin Durant in this game, I think he's able to probably elevate his teammates to another level. He's just a – a better player and more impactful, I think, defensively as well. And obviously, Kyrie's still trying to get in his rhythm because there's different points in the game where you can still tell he's a little bit off. And like you mentioned earlier, wasn't necessarily getting the whistle against some of these bigger forwards with the physicality they play. So you're still happy with the performance. It was enough, probably, for the Nets to win if, you know, Patty Mills has an average game and doesn't have an off night, or, you know, maybe you have Lamarcus Aldridge available rather than, you know, having to play Deron Sharp or something like that. So, you know, Kyrie starting to find himself a little bit more but it just feels like it's frustrating for him going from playing with Harden then without Harden and then playing with KD for you know a few games earlier on where it's just like and then obviously he can't play at home so it's like yeah here you can play for two weeks now you can't play for a couple days now you can play for a week and obviously I think it's something where Kyrie's eligible for like what is it eight of the next 25 games or something like that so The Nets really need there to be some type of exemption or mandate change for him to be available at home. And I think it would be beneficial for the Nets chemistry because, like I mentioned earlier, defensively, he doesn't seem to be on the same page with everyone. And then he's still just getting reps with newer teammates. Like, I'm sure he hasn't logged a ton of minutes with Patty Mills or Kessler Edwards or Cam Thomas. This is just, you know, early season stuff we're seeing in February.
2: Yeah. And then he's going to have to get more and more reps with Seth Curry and yep. Ben Simmons and Andre Drummond and, you know, maybe whoever else the Nets end up acquiring on the buyout market. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely tough with him being a part time player. But that's, you know, the bed the Nets made when they brought him back. So now they have to lie in it. Um, that's the bed Kyrie made when, you know, he decided not to get the VACs. Um So. Yeah, it, it's, it's rough. I, I guess the saving grace in this is, you know, even though he's only going to be available for, I guess, eight more games after this for the rest of the season, is that, all right, you do have Ben Simmons coming in. Uh, so that kind of helps. Um, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, he ends up getting vaccinated or the mandates are lifted yep. in, in New York City. So that'll help. But, yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely tough. And then, like, going back to, like, what you said about Him not being the superstar, the caliber superstar that KD is. I mean, it almost it's almost unfair to Kyrie because like he is a he's definitely a level of superstar, but in like I guess that lower tier level, um, KD is just on another planet. And then I guess it's also hard for a guard, right? You you see how many times he goes into paint and it's it's towers around him, trees around him. Whereas Kevin Kevin Durant is already seven foot. He just shoots over anybody, and it doesn't really matter if he's going to double team Adam. All right, I'm just going to shoot over it.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it helps when you're you have Kevin Durant's body type. And I think that's always kind of been the thing that where if you can stop Kyrie, it's with length and multiple bodies. And you know, it's it usually happens when he's by himself. You know, this was an issue when he was with Boston and they lost those playoff games. It was a similar recipe from the opposing team. Obviously the Nets are super short-handed, so this isn't the team he'll necessarily be playing with all the time, especially without KD. But um
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: Anybody else you want to really jump into from tonight? Uh, not a particular. I
2: just wanted to mention one more thing on Cam. Uh, one thing I do notice about him on the defense end, mind you, like the the play that Kessler Edwards made, the block, and then great great play by Cam saving the ball. Um, also, Cam almost coming up heroically. He had that four point play at the end, and yep. I'm not gonna lie. If the three pointer at the end of the game went in, it would have been a would have been a lot of Cam Thomas praise on the timeline. I'm just saying, but. Uh, One thing I did notice defensively with him, I feel like he's selling out a little bit too much, uh, especially on closeouts. There was a few times where he's the next guy in rotation and he's almost flying at the shooter when he doesn't really have to. Uh, I noticed it a few times when Rory had the ball at the three-point line when Kuzma had it and all they would do was just kind of either fake, you know, shot fake or they just jab step and get him, uh, you know, off balance. which then puts him in bad positions, which then puts the rest of the defense in a bad position. So I think those are those things that, you know, he does give effort. You know, I will give him that, but those are some of the things that, have been a detriment to him on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, and that's a fundamental thing. It's just kind of chopping your feet a little bit instead of going in that straight line. Unless, it's, you know, an elite shooter, there's a difference between charging at Rui Hachimura and Steph Curry. Like, they're different guys, you know. One guy kind of puts fear in you. The other guy, you kind of can live with the result of the shot, especially if it's a semi-contest. And like you said, I think the effort is there for Cam and some of the on-ball stuff is okay. It's just really understanding the rotations and where to be and playing that role in a help defense, which is typical rookie stuff. Like uh, you, pe- pe- a lot of people say like rookies usually aren't good their first year, especially defensively. So there's progress, but there still needs to be more if he wants to be in that playoff rotation, but that's, that's a long ways away, especially with the nets on a 10 game losing streak.
2: Oh no, absolutely. But I mean, I, they, I guess the one g- great thing right now is that his scoring is, is definitely uptake. Like this is no joke. He can score the basketball and we, and we knew this, right? Yeah. But I think this is his seventh straight 20, not not seven straight. I think this is his seventh 20 point game
1: of 2022 uh,
2: of of 2022. The most of any rookies Um, mind you, he was not a lottery pick at all. Uh, This is, I mean, this, this is great. And then you figure, right. You have the new additions coming back and you have the guys getting healthy. I really do still think that cam Thomas can, can be that spark plug off the bench for a net's offense. If you know, somebody's having an off night or something like that, or if there's another injury, he's proving game by game that he can be a reliable force, at least presence, at least on offense, right? You could probably hide him on defense, you know, especially when you have Ben Simmons and all the other defensive guys that you're going to have, but no doubt he's, he's, I could definitely see him sneaking into, sneaking into that playoff rotation.
1: I mean, at home, as of right now in regular season games, he's definitely going to have to still play a role and, you know, they're going to need that scoring and that production. It's, excuse me, definitely something to kind of keep an eye on, but Obviously, we hinted at it. We've talked about it. Jack and I already dropped the reaction pod about it. James Harden was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers along with Paul Millsap for the likes of Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Justin, I haven't talked to you really about it. What was your initial reaction? Obviously, this trade was talked about for the last couple weeks, but we finally got it in fruition and, in my opinion, was a better package than I anticipated.
2: My first reaction was, thank God, no more reports. Oh my goodness. Like I can finally look at Twitter and enjoy myself without always having to see, oh, the Six are only going to give up this. Well, the Nets don't want to give up this. Like it, it was finally, right? And to your credit, I thought it was a great I thought it was a great haul by the Nets. Um, you know, you see no maxi, no Thibault, but I'm assuming that those picks were the uh, you know, the that extra first round pick was the caveat, yeah. right? It was either you get that player, you get that pick. I thought the Nets did it got, got a tremendous uh, haul for that you know, obviously, you know, Ben Simmons is is the prize, but getting Seth Curry, a 40 percent three point shooter to pair alongside, you know, this roster that, you know, let's be honest, can't shoot from three. Then you have uh, Drummond as well, you know, giving you that that inside presence that this team has lacked over the last few years. Yeah, it's not, not pretty, pretty good. Pretty Yeah. Good. I mean, I was anticipating something like
1: At points, it felt like we'd be lucky to get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry in a first round pick like that seemed like that'd be a good return. And to get two first round picks, like you said, get Seth Andre Drummond as a little sweetener. You know, I'm not sure about him in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he'll be a, a guy that can definitely eat up some minutes, grab you some boards and be a force down there and help you win some games. And, you know, we got Blake Griffin after the game. This is via Christian Winfield. Blake Griffin on the James Harden trade, I think we got better. And then another one from Matt Brooks is, I can't speak for Philly, but I think we definitely got guys that want to be here and guys that want to play. Obviously, that's a little bit of shade from Blake to uh James Harden here and we're starting to get some more reports leaked about how, you know, Harden's been a negative you know, influence in the locker room and on the court at different points this year. What are your feelings in terms of some of the comments we've seen from the Nets and the vibe that some of these players and some of these reports are giving on James Harden in a Brooklyn Nets uniform this season?
2: No, it's, it's very, it's very very telling, um, you know, and these were, it's, it's interesting because when the, the, the trade happened last season, the initial thing was, oh, well, how is all these personalities going to mesh together, right? You have James Harden, you have Kyrie Irving and you have Kevin Durant. And I think the biggest, Thing was the oh how was, how is the the chemistry between James Harden and Kyrie Irving going to go? Well, apparently it didn't go over too well, and apparently James kind of rubbed Kevin's feathers the wrong way because it's being reported that he had his you know concerns with how the roster was and how the offense was being shaped. And it's like like I said on on, on our last pod, you know, like you you just got here, like I don't understand yep. why he if if what's being reported is true, why James felt that he could come in here and shape this team to his liking, when you already have two other superstars that have been here for two years, you know, before. Yep. And and and, and he's and the one that the hasn't run. won a championship. Yeah, no, exactly. So if what you've been doing hasn't been working, why are we going to all of a sudden shift course? Especially because last season, the Nets, you could say the Nets were a big toe away from winning a championship the way they were running yep. the offense. Yeah, I mean, so.
1: it's... There's going to be more reports. There's probably going to be more bad blood. Obviously, the first matchup between these teams is going to be March 10th, I believe. So, hopefully, everyone is fully healthy can go for that matchup and we can see some fun stuff. But the vibes definitely weren't great. And obviously, I think the Nets still need to get those vibes back up. The return of Kevin Durant should help. And the infusion of some of these new players, just new faces and new energy, should really help too. Um, but I guess talking about the return and what the Nets got, obviously. Ben Simmons is the key piece, like you mentioned. and There's a lot of potential with him, but there's also, you know, some cons, too. We saw what happened last year in the playoffs with Ben. What are your expectations for Ben this season? Obviously, he still needs to ramp up as well.
2: Yeah, so I think that this is, uh, on its surface, it's a better situation for Ben in mm-hmm. Brooklyn than it was in Philly. Philly seems more of a, because their superstar is a center, um, more of a half-court-centric offense, whereas, you know, Ben's his best attribute is getting out in transition. You know, he's one yeah. of the best transition, if not the best transition player in basketball. He's a, he's an absolute freight train coming down the the court. I think the only one that kind of rivals him would be LeBron James. But now you have him in Brooklyn where he doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense. Like he doesn't, honestly, he only, he only has to be like, maybe like the sixth or seventh scoring option for real, for real, because you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, right? Then you also have the shooters, Seth, uh, Patty and Joe you also have LaMarcus Aldridge as well. And you also have Cam Thomas. Mm. So the pressures for Ben in the playoffs are going to be a lot less simply because he has a lot more options to defer to and a lot better pieces to defer to. I think I, I talked about this with my friends before, but I don't think Ben Simmons is, a, is good enough to be your second option or your second best player, but he can damn well be your, 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 your best third player.
1: Yeah, I mean you go back to when the Sixers lost to the Raptors in the postseason, and that was the championship Raptors. They lost on a Kawhi, you know, game winner in overtime. And that was when Ben Simmons was their third best player. So you know, Ben, I think, can excel in this role. And I think, obviously, you want to see him make improvements to his game. But it's not like he needs to do anything drastically. I think defensively, the impact is going to be huge. And just alleviating some of the pressure off Kevin Durant for having to defend the other team's best player. And the fact that the Nets kept Nick Claxton at the deadline allows to really throw out some interesting defensive lineups. I know you threw out a tweet. I think it was something along the lines of KD, Simmons, and Claxon out there. Then you even throw in the potential of having, like, Kess in that lineup. or And then maybe even, you know, you could go with any of the shooting, you know, all the shooters out there. You could go with a Joe Harris. You go with a Patty Mills, Seth Curry, a Kyrie Irving. I think there's some room for flexibility and some room to really allow him to excel in a different way. You know, we have a very small sample size of Ben Simmons playing without Joel Embiid. One of those games happened to come against the Nets in the playoffs, and he dropped 31 and brought the Sixers to a Game 3 win. So, yeah. I mean,
2: even last year when Joel was out for what it was like a month and a half, yep. um, from I think January to February, like February to March, Ben Simmons kept the Sixers in first place. I remember like how well the Nets were playing last season with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. The Sixers were, were doing that much better because it was just Ben Simmons and they had a yep. lot more shooting, you know, around it. I, I always thought that one of the biggest, you know, faults that the Sixers did was not bring back, uh, JJ Redick. Because yep. I thought J.J. Redick definitely helped the offense, especially with, uh, you know, giving Ben a, a release valve. So, but no, like, defensively, this is going to be fun. I mean, I don't know if the wheels are turning in Nash's head. The wheels are definitely turning in my head in terms of just like, all right, the different combinations of what you could throw out there. I mean, at any one time, if you have a a, a Simmons, KD, Clax lineup, you have three guys that are basically seven foot that can guard players one through four, one through five. I mean, I don't think we've ever really seen that. In the NBA, at least not in recent in, in recent history, but I think ever just guys of that size and that athleticism.
1: Yeah, I mean, just honestly, you know, Katie is his own own player, and he's rare as hell. But just the fact of having Clax and Simmons, two really switchable players, which is you typically have one of those guys. Like both Simmons and Clax can switch onto almost anybody on the court. Obviously, against ones are not going to probably be as effective, but that two to four range, like they can really put clamps. And I think. From an athleticism standpoint, too, like that's a big improvement, bring Ben Simmons in. You get some youth, you get some energy and you get some athletic pop like this is basketball. This isn't golf or baseball like having athleticism can be extremely beneficial, especially when you're looking to push the pace. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Nets style of offense change. I don't want to say drastically, but substantially. You know, you see the pace-improve transition becomes a real thing, especially if you have an elite defender who can force some turnovers in Ben Simmons and kind of create some more energy on that end of the floor. And then I think offensively you can run maybe more post-ups. You know, you have Kevin Durant, you have Ben Simmons, and I think the way the Nets play and all the shooters and the off-ball stuff that they're probably going to do a little bit more now that James Harden isn't here will create mismatches for Ben. And like we saw tonight, Kyle Kuzma, Denny, you know, posting up smaller guards that's something ben simmons can do with ease like that's not something he can't do it's a shooting that he doesn't want to do all the layup stuff is still
2: cool
3: yeah,
2: i'm gonna say if we had ben simmons tonight i mean you, you think yeah he would have he would have ran right through Raul Neto's chest like yeah <laughs> it would have even been close but yeah absolutely i think you know one of the, the 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 star differences at least what you saw with the nets this season when kyrie Irving came back is that they got out and transitioned a lot more um like I said, James Harden doesn't really like to push the pace. He thrives more in that half-court offense. Uh, whereas now the Nets have not only Kyrie Irving that can get out on the break, but you have a Ben Simmons. Then you also have Patty Mills that loves to get out on the break. You have Seth that can run. You have Joe Harris that thrives in transition offense too. And KD can run. Then you have Claxton yep. that can run. I mean, the, 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 the options, there's just so many different things the Nets can do offensively. Uh, I'm interested to see how they work with running offense through Ben out of the post. Um, I'm gonna be interested to see if we, if they start running elevator screens, right? Yep. Dribble handoffs are gonna be almost every single possession, right? Uh, That's yep. I mean that short roll, somebody's gonna kill in that short roll easily. Um, and then who are you helping off of, right? Like if you have a if you have a lineup out there with Ben, Kyrie, and KD, then also maybe Joe Harris and either Patty or Seth. Who are you helping off of? It's definitely not gonna be Joe in the corner. It's not gonna be Seth on the wing. And you're damn sure you're not gonna help off of KD. W- what do you do on defense? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be
1: similar to almost Bruce Brown in the role we saw last year in some ways for Ben Simmons where he's just going to be able to eat because he's going to have advantages and matchups that are really going to allow him to excel. And I think it'll really help him with his confidence too in terms of just having these easier opportunities and playing off two elite scores. You know, Joel Embiid is as good as it gets in the NBA, but there's a difference between playing with a wing and a guard rather than playing with a center. And like you mentioned, Joel operates the best in the paint. He's the best center in the NBA, you know, arguably, if not, you know, Nikola Jokic, whoever you want to roll with. And Ben operates the best in the paint. He's essentially a small ball center, I think, is in closing lineups is his best role. And I think that's where you can see the Nets get some real creativity. But moving over to Seth Curry, not only is Seth Curry a huge add for the Nets, because like you mentioned, you know, a great three-point shooter. And I think he's a very good offensive player, especially in that complementary role. But also, this is a big hindrance to the Sixers as well.
2: Oh no, definitely. Uh, and it's one of the things where I'm I'm questioning like the the fit. Not really questioning the fit, because obviously you have two great players and 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 Beat and Harden. They can figure it out. But if Harden's you know concerns with the Nets roster was lack of spacing. I'm concerned. I'm confused as to what he's going to in Philly. Right? Philly just sent over their best three point shooter. Now you're going to rely on guys like Tyrese Max. He's not a spot up guy. Right? That's not his role. Even though he's shooting a good percentage this season. He's not a spot up shooter. George Niang is not a spot up shooter. on Korkma is not a spot up shooter. So now I'm kind of confused as to how it's going to fit there. But the Nets getting Seth and basically stealing it from stealing him from Philly is de- is. I don't think people are understanding how big of a get that is.
1: Yeah, I mean he was a uh, great with Joel Embiid. They really had some almost JJ Reddick, uh, Joel Embiid chemistry. There was just certain possessions where they just constantly do some dribble handoffs, pick and roll type stuff. And you know Seth, I think is a a better ball handler than people think. Like he can create a little bit for himself. He can definitely be that secondary guy. And I think that'll be a nice add and take a little pressure off some of these you know guards or these guys asked to do a little bit more. Even just pressure off the superstars from having to create every single play. And I really like what he can do. And it's gonna be interesting. You know if Joe. Harris can come back that's a big question mark obviously there's still that's kind of up in the air we've heard different reports of him potentially getting the second surgery and coming back you know in the postseason or him just rehabbing and trying to go maybe at 80 85 percent this season
2: yeah no and I, I think the it's definitely Joe Harris insurance um because I guess worst case scenario right like Chris Haynes had reported um a few weeks ago that Harris may not be back for the for the regular season, which is like, all right, well, you know, if Joe's not back, all right, you still have Seth Curry, which is, which is huge. And then, like you said, with the with the ball handling, I think that's something that the Nets have definitely had a hole or avoided all season. And you know, he's, and Seth Curry, I don't think people realize like Seth Curry can run an offense. We saw it not only in in Dallas, right? I thought he played phenomenally there, but also in Portland, you know. And I'm very surprised as to why he's kept bouncing around the league because he. Is probably the, the one of your better backup guards. I mean, I know he it, it switches between point guard and shooting guard sometimes, but no, like it, if the He's Nets one of the better just...
1: complementary guards that I think that's not like an all-star level player. Yes. You know what I mean? He's like a, yes. a just he's just a, a good player. Like it's hard to really describe him anymore. He just does <laughs> a lot of things good offensively. It's just like you can tell that his dad was an NBA player and his brother is Steph Curry. There's just things yeah. in his game that no, you just know he's an NBA player.
2: Yeah, and his what is his, his brother-in-law is Austin Rivers, so like there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, and then well, I well. think his other brother-in-law is technically Damian Lee, right? Damian <laughs> Lee, yep, yeah. yep.
1: So, so it's, a it's like yo. You try to get out of like basketball, you're at a barbecue. They're like talking hoops. You're on a family vacation. They're talking hoops like it, you can't get away from it. But honestly, I'm excited. And even Andre Drummond, who I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Uh, I think he can provide impact in the regular season, especially with the rebounding and then just kind of giving you energy and eating against some of these lesser backup centers, you know, if he or if he does start or something along those lines, like Andre Drummond definitely can do good things. It's just like trying to get rid of some of the bad habits he has.
2: Yeah, I know my dad was thrilled about this. Uh, he's a—he's—I <laughs> he's, don't, I don't know why he's a big Andre Drummond fan. I think because like he—he he just misses '90s basketball and just. Guys I was gonna say it ball. definitely
1: sounds like so, a bad like, statement. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, but but I mean, you look at his numbers, right? Yeah, you know the points per game don't jump out to you—six points—but eight point eight rebounds a game off the bench in only 18 minutes. I mean, that's great. I think he's in the 90, like seventh percentile for defensive rebound efficiency, and mm-hmm. like 94 or 92 in uh offensive rebounding efficiency. So. No, like the the Nets are getting something that they have not had and have needed for a while. And that's a physical presence in the paint. Now, obviously, like you said earlier, like him in the playoffs, eh, I don't know about that. But for right now in the regular season, he is going to feast on all these rebound attempts. He's going to body up against all these guys. Hey, he say what you will. He may be able to be thrown in in playoff series against some of the bigger, uh, bigger guys, especially if, if the Nets face off against the Sixers.
1: If he's locked in like defensively, he can be okay on the end of the floor. And I think at the very least, he's an average NBA center. And at times, you could argue the Nets don't necessarily have that. You know, at least somebody on both ends of the floor or able to play the big-minute workload without it impacting them. You know, LaMarcus has been great this season, but how many minutes can you play him? You know, he's definitely up there in age, and he's coming off the hard issue. You don't want to over overuse him. And we've seen it with Blake. Like, he can get gassed out in clacks it's an availability issue. You know, he's not necessarily always around where I love to see clacks play every game and play large minutes, but that's not necessarily going to always be the case. So we'll see what happens with Andre Drummond and how that big rotation kind of lays out because it's going to be interesting. And it's hard to see two of the bigs playing together. I wouldn't completely rule it out in any situation long as it's not, you know, LaMarcus and Blake or pretty much <laughs> the only one that could play with any of the other bigs is clacks because of his mobility. But then you're looking at the offensive stuff. So, uh, it's going to be yeah. interesting for Nash to kind of try to find balance because now he has, like almost both ends of the spectrum. He has really small players, and then he has a surplus of centers.
2: Yeah, unless they're facing like the Cavs, I don't ever want to see Drummond and Aldridge on the floor at the same time. <laughs> God bless. Um, but it's and I think, but I think it's it's going to be okay with Drummond on the offensive side because you could even run him with Simmons, right? There's always there's always going to be shooting. Right, I think it's getting to the point now where the Nets will always have at least two forty percent three point shooters on the floor at all times, and then maybe Kevin Durant. Yeah. Right. So you can hide Drummond uh, on offense. You know, it's kind of weird saying like hiding a guy on offense, but then look at it. He he's gonna thrive in the pick and roll, especially off of uh, you know, with Simmons right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, look, man. To well, good. and I'll
1: say this about Andre. If you, he's a guy that you come off of where you don't give attention, that allows him to be more successful on the offensive boards because he can establish that position. And he's just a strong dude and he's able to kind of understand what he needs to do. And he'll eat down there. You know what I mean? I think he's also matured a little bit just based off of his play in Philadelphia. Like if you told me three years ago that Andre Drummond would accept a backup role for Joel Embiid, a player that he had a feud with in the past. I definitely would not have believed you. So credit for Andre Drummond kind of moving forward his NBA career and understanding, you know, where he can have impact. And maybe he'll be even better in Brooklyn. Who really knows? So, and, you know, just to touch on the two first-round picks, the Nets looked like they were trying to use them today at another trade. Didn't end up happening. But something they can go back to in the offseason potentially use that to add another big piece to this roster.
2: I thought we were getting Jeremy Grant with the two firsts. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, as soon as I saw two firsts, I'm like, wait a second pistons that were asking for two first rounds for jeremy oh my god it's happening um that honestly if the net if the nets would have gotten jeremy grant on as well today yep. honestly you might as well just put the championship banner you know put the trophy <laughs> in, in, in barclays but um but no yeah i thought d- maybe definitely.
1: even like uh if they didn't make this a bonus trade harrison barnes was a guy that i was really interested in the nets landing because jerry he's he's not as good a defender as jeremy grant but he's a more consistent three-point shooter obviously the nets landed seth curry but still just adding you know i think harrison barnes is shooting like close to 40 percent from three and there's a decent amount of volume there too
2: All right, I that was actually kind of hopeful maybe you sip off a first and clacks for uh bagley uh but i don't think that uh i'm not sure how that works but i don't know if you can trade a guy within like 72 hours or something like that if yeah it would have traded. to be
1: part of the whole trade honestly i think bagley has still potential for the nba but i'm not ready for him to be uh impactful on a playoff team yet like he's still got to showcase that he can contribute to winning basketball in some way and then honestly for him too is like similar to clacks doesn't stay healthy
2: mm. yeah no no it's definitely there. Was, telling you the, the wheels were turning but i mean if, if anything the nets have kind of restocked their cupboard a little bit yep. i know that was kind of one of the big you know falling off points is like with in some of these discourses where like oh the nets don't really have any you know draft picks and things like that and they gave up all the, you know, the pick swaps with houston but Hey, two first round picks. I believe uh, one of them is protected. Uh, yeah, not a,
1: not a heavy protection either.
2: Yeah, it was a one picks one through eight, I believe. Yep. Um, so, but hey, a pick is better than no pick. Uh, and and they got two out of them. So definitely some, uh, you know, going down the road, maybe next off season is where, you know, Sean Marks uh, really, you know, digs deep. I, I was seeing where some people were saying, hey, this wasn't a move. This trade wasn't a move for this season, but more so a move for next season. And you look at it, You know, big picture wise, and that's already locked up KD for four years. You have Ben Simmons contract. uh, I think he's there till 2024.
1: Yeah, he's like one year less than
2: KD. Yeah. And then, all right, if you get a a Kyrie extension in the offseason, boom, you have a new big three locked up for the next four years. The championship window, which everybody thought was only going to be two or three years with this big three, now extends for another two, three, four years. And there were some rumblings
1: that the Nets feel confident that Kyrie will sign an extension this offseason. That was one of the reasons they were willing to make this hardened trade. I think that was reported by Nets daily going back to that. It's also just like, it allows them, like you said, to extend their window where maybe they're not the big favorite this season anymore, but there's still a chance for contention of everyone can get healthy or at least gain some experience to see what you have with this squad. And then next year, maybe that's your full pitch. But you mentioned like filling up the cupboard, like not only with the two picks, but, you know, the rookies play more build up their value and now all of a sudden you know you have a package that could acquire you maybe you know a fringe all-star player even potentially an all-star player that's unhappy and wants it a man to trade the brooklyn
2: yeah no dev i mean it's gonna pain me to say this but cam thomas right now if he plays like this for the rest of the season or at least in the opportunities he's given he becomes arguably your best trade piece going into the offseason um, unfortunately, Kessler has kind of hit a wall right now, so his stock is kind of low. Dayron is what he is, yeah. David Duke Jr. is what he is. I mean, I, you expect David Jr. to be back in the G League anyway, so but no, definitely these young guys getting some burn. Um, hell, hey, maybe Bruce Brown does something, I don't know,
3: yeah, <laughs> but yeah.
2: it'll be interesting to see how the Nets, you know, move forward with Bruce Brown. I thought he was somebody that then that was gonna be moved at the deadline as well. Only a qualifying officer going into the next season. It'd be interesting to see if they bring him back or not.
1: Yeah, and obviously he's underperformed this year. There's no way really around it. Some of that's been, you know, injuries in the players he's playing with. And the Nets obviously went with him over DeAndre Bembry, who they cut to make this trade happen, which I don't want to say it was a super surprise cuz you knew someone was going to get cut and there's probably going to be one or two more cuts cuz I think Kessler is going to get, you know, turned into a real NBA contract and I would assume there's at least one bought out uh one buyout guy brought in in Brooklyn. So maybe ben Bray was the first one to just be uh, be cut and then there's other, two more coming, but still I thought he played really well and he's a guy that probably played better than a couple guys that they kept.
2: Yeah, I mean this is like the frustrating part uh as a fan with the nba because the nba is a business after all it's yep. all about money the nets uh are, are what top three in the luxury tax but surprisingly i didn't know that the warriors were at 170 i was like damn like yeah i thought the nets were high but they are high um the memory got,
1: got his paycheck
2: yep that is true um but no the benbury move it was very upsetting i was in the middle of actually writing my uh, reaction piece uh for elite sports new york when i saw the benbury news so i had to erase a a whole paragraph because i was like oh wow defensively with benbury and simmons and everything i'm like damn lucas and
1: i talked about it yesterday (laughs) a little bit we were saying like oh simmons and benbury in transition like that'd be another opportunity for he's a guy who's always running and now that's not going to be the case
2: yeah no but but yeah i don't i just don't get it over brown and carter i guess carter only because they're so devoid of guard depth at this present moment right yeah you still got to have you know someone who can handle the ball yeah, like you wait till Seth and, and Drummond get here on their Amtrak from Philly, and then whenever Ben Simmons, you know, suits up for the Nets. But yeah, it's Bembry played the best out of the bench unit, in my opinion, for the role he was. I, I thought he played phenomenal. Uh, he actually shot the ball from three, you know, not all the time, but he, enough where it's like, all right, good job, Bembry. Gave you effort on defense, always, you know, got into scraps. We saw, we just saw that with Boogie Cousins. Yeah. So, that definitely, definitely confusing as to why, in terms of like, if it, if you're just looking at it from non money wise, but even money wise, all the
1: contracts are guaranteed. So regardless who you waive has no impact on your books. You know what I mean? So like every contract well, yeah. is paid. So like, regardless, they're paying everybody who's still on the team. And if they waive Bruce Brown or they waive DeAndre Bembry, they're still paying the same amount at the end of the year. Like what? Like, so I, I, like, well, I do
2: Why are we being cheap? Like, why are we, like, we? You have all this money, Sai. Like, why are we being cheap here? Like, it's basketball. If you're, this is why I keep going back to like his his whole spiel about the, oh, my religion is winning. Well, I, to be honest, I'm not gonna lie. The things that Sai has done this season has not showed me that he's about winning. Because if he was really about winning, not for nothing, Kyrie would have been a part time player from the jump. Um, it wouldn't have taken like almost player mutiny for that to happen. Uh, we wouldn't be cutting corners in some of these, these offseason moves and things like that. So look, I don't know. You can say all these nice things and do all this and be like, you know, progressive owner. But at the end of the day, it comes down to winning that Larry O'Brien and it, it doesn't seem like he's doing everything he can to hoist that trophy at the end of the year.
1: I think this offseason will be a big factor in terms of how much money he's truly willing to spend, because there'll be opportunities for the Nets to probably make moves and up that tax bill. And obviously today they they down that tax bill. And, you know, I don't I'm not defending side because I don't really care if they spend money or not. It's not my money. <laughs> then I right? think billionaires should spend the money. Uh, I we don't know what was truly out there. I know Sean Marks was probably looking for the deal doesn't mean that there was one. So I think you just look back maybe to the Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, letting him go to Washington and not taking any players back. You know, Kyle Kuzma looked really good tonight. You know, there's still some people who think maybe he wouldn't have fit on the Nets roster, but I'll tell you one thing. Other teams would have definitely been interested in Kyle Kuzma. if the He didn't fit on the Nets, but I think his body type alone and the way he played tonight, I think would he have a triple-double against the Nets. He showcased some different stuff, and he's improved defensively. That would have been a nice player to have. There's obviously other factors we don't know about, but... You like to see the Nets put the best team possible on the floor, and maybe that's something they could have done this season. They haven't.
2: Yeah, credit credit Kuzma, you know, because I mean, he's he he went from being a meme basically to being an actually a, a really really solid NBA player. He has a, a, quite a handful of thirty point uh, performances this season, like you said, a triple double tonight. Um, he is the engine. I I think, in my opinion, he is the engine that drives the Washington Wizards. You know, outside Especially of Bradley right Beal. Yeah, Beal's
1: yeah, out, and he has gone. I mean, it's Kuzma's team for the rest of the year. Good for him. I, honestly, I think he's going to do a great job upping his trade value. And like you said, I'll give him credit because when he had his rookie season, he played well. Everyone was like, you know, this is who he is. All he can do is score. Well, you know, 10 assists is pretty good. Like, that's not something easy to do. Obviously, he did have the six turnovers and 13 boards. And like I mentioned, he has improved defensively. He's not a lockdown guy. But, you know, you like the way he's playing. So we'll see what happens. But getting back to the Nets – I think for me today just felt like a big relief with, like you mentioned earlier, it's the trade being done. We can move forward. Obviously it would have been nice if the Nets bounce back with a win tonight rather than a loss, but we'll see what happens when this team is fully healthy. There's, there's new hope because there's definitely some negative vibes in regards to Harden and how he would potentially play the rest of the season. And also the vibes in the locker room.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, at this point, right. 10 game losing streak. Um, It's probably going to keep going. They have the heat coming up next. You know, they're they're sitting at 29 and 26, I think, in the eighth spot right now. I think them just getting to the all-star break is what's key because you're looking on the horizon. On the horizon is a healthy KD, a healthy Joe Harris, Ben Simmons coming in, uh, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, right? It doesn't really—at this point, seeding is—it is what it is, right? Like, you've kind of given up—even though they're only—was it five games back of first place, weirdly enough, even being in the eighth spot— Six um, and a
1: half right now from yeah. first, but only two and a half from an actual playoff spot. They're currently sitting in eighth, and even you know, to get to the second seed, they're five and a half back, or you could look at it four and a half back from uh Cleveland. And you know, so there's yeah, there's plenty of it's not like the East is super separated. One good winning streak, and next thing you know, you're back in the mix. I think if you're the Nets, you do probably want to avoid the playing game just because for obvious reasons anything yeah. can happen in a one game sample size. Uh but other than that, like if you get the six seed, I don't think you really care. Especially if that gets you a first round matchup with the Sixers.
2: Yeah, I want okay. to say like it does. I, like a healthy Nets team going into the playoffs, right? Is is the only team I can really see in the East matching up with them? Would be the the Bucks. And then even then, it's like, all right, are you who are you taking? Are you taking KD or are you taking Giannis? Um, Hopefully, KD just wears smaller shoes to sit that that <laughs> series. Uh, but no, at this point, yeah, you look on the horizon. It's not about now. It, it's gonna. It hurts now. Trust me. Like I know these these losses suck, but the bigger picture is the playoffs, a championship, and all the Nets have to do is just get in the playoffs, right? Like you see with the with the with the Bengals, right? Yeah. Just get in the playoffs, and who knows what can happen Well, the Nets? Well, you know what can happen, right? You have arguably one of the greatest players to ever play the game in Kevin Durant. You have. Another great player in Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah, and you have Ben Simmons. So get in the playoffs, whether it's the three, four, five, six seed, and then cook from there. Right now, you're going to have to deal with these punches, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we have Miami on Saturday. That's going to be tough. Miami's playing good basketball. They're going to look to take advantage of the opportunity. Then you got the Kings on February 14th, but that's at home, so no Kyrie Irving. And then you have her in Madison Square Garden. February 16th, which still means no Kyrie Irving. And then February 17th, again, at home against the Wizards. So those three games are even winnable, probably without Kyrie if the reinforcements are here, which I don't think Ben Simmons will be ready for those games, but I do think Andre Drummond and Seth Curry will be. So we'll see what happens. Like you said, hopefully the pain eventually stops. But anything else from you, Justin, before we get out of here?
2: Uh, nope. Just remember the Cam Thomas propaganda lives on. Let's go. Um, I'm interested to see though, what number Ben Simmons does take, because Nets daily said that 20, because 25 wasn't available because it's retired. He said 24 and 26 was, and it got me a little upset because cam Thomas is number 24. All right. Cam Thomas' number is not available. And if, and if Ben Simmons wants number 24, he's got to shoot, he's got to challenge cam Thomas to a shooting contest. I don't care.
1: Well, it just depends if it's layups or threes <laughs>
2: <laughs> <That's true. laughs> or free throws. So that's a pretty big factor in that decision. Uh, but we'll
1: we'll see what happens with the whole jersey stuff. Like you said, there's a new level of excitement, and, and it was nice that even though the Nets lost Cam Thomas had a big game, there's still positive vibes here. Like you said, get through the rough patch. We'll be good to go. Always a pleasure having you on, Justin. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.